0: stop right there, or uh, there's no one to translate, so I better stop. Well, Nora could translate, so um, we are very excited, and we're very overwhelmed, and uh, we're looking forward to, I think right now I'm looking forward to the end of this stage of where we're at, and I'm looking forward to being able to get out of all the airports and get to the house that we have rented that's already set up, and that feeling of just laying down in a bed and resting. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, we're, we're very, very excited. Uh, continue to pray for us for strength as we're preparing to get to the Solomon Islands. Um, as Nathan said, January uh, July uh, the 27th, which will be a week from today, uh, will be probably about this time still be in the air, I think, um, or somewhere around there. And then we'll be landing, we'll be staying with my wife's uncle in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, and then seeing another relative, my cousin, while we're there, and spending the day getting, we've got to get some necessary uh, uh, tests while we're there, COVID, uh, we've got to make sure that we're, we've got a negative on COVID tests before we can, we have to have, a what is it, a 72 hours a negative COVID test within 72 hours. So we got to do that while we're there. A lot of stuff to do in Los Angeles. And then uh, hopefully at 1130, I believe, on the 28th of July, we'll board uh, Fiji Airways flight. We'll go through Fiji, get in early on the 30th. We'll miss the 29th. We will not even live July the 29th. Um, We'll completely miss it. And uh, we'll arrive in Fiji on July the 30th early in the morning, we'll spend the morning in Fiji, and then in the afternoon, we'll travel to uh, Solomon Islands, we'll get in around four o'clock, uh, their time, what time would that be, our time? two or three in the morning, Saturday morning. Saturday morning, right, and uh, we'll get some sleep, and then we'll go to church, and thankfully quarantine has ended, uh, it, will en- it ended on, what's the date, uh, I don't know what the date is, but it ended on the 24th, their time or if the 24th hasn't hit yet. I have no idea where I'm at. I just know that we're living on the, uh, a week before we leave. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. But quarantine is supposed to be ending for all p- incoming passengers. And uh, we do believe that we do not actually have to have confirmation um, for Nora's vaccine exemption. We just have to, it was, it was just kind of a, a security to get the approval. Um, we, we were, we kind of reread over our counselor's letter and she said, if you have a document from your doctor saying you can have the medical exemption, then you should be good. Um, so we're planning on going even if without anything. So, uh, but pray for that to just go through and to not have any hangups or any problems, uh, as we get closer to that time. I, I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed just talking about it. So let's get to the scripture. <laughs> Um, as Nathan said, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I have packed all my suits. I have retired all of my suits that I had. Um, I had my last suit. I had three suits that I had from deputation. Then I went overseas, and then I packed them. And then I brought them out for this time. And after three kids and spit-ups and dry-clean after dry-clean, they, they started to get, and they, I started to phase out. I lost one suit, then I lost another suit. And then I was hanging on to one suit, Knowing that we're going to be leaving soon, I don't want to put money into another suit. And on my last Sunday at Wayland, um, one of my kids smeared food all over it, and that was done. And so I said, I can manage it without, I can manage no more suits, and so we're good. Um, well, then Nathan asked me to preach, and I said, well, this is my situation. Can I just go Solomon style? And he said, absolutely. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. We'll begin reading in verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And verse 4 it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we have Uh, together tonight as fellow believers in Christ um, to sit under the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that as we um, listen, I pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts to what you have for us from this passage of Scripture as we take time to pray. Lord, I pray that you'd ready our hearts for um, uh, prayer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We step into the life of Elijah, and in, in chapter 17... In chapter 18, leading up to chapter 19, we see two chapters of amazing victories for Elijah, just victory after victory after victory in the life of Elijah. Uh, Elijah makes the unpopular proclamation in uh, in chapter 17 to King Ahab, Buddy, you're not going to have rain for two years. It's going to be a while before you have rain. The Lord then orders him 30 miles to the brook Cherith, where he is to wait for more instruction from the Lord during that time. Elijah is fed bread in the morning, flesh in the evening by ravens, and he drank from the brook. And when the brook dried, God commands him to move uh, north 40 miles to Zephrath, where a widow will take care of him until further instruction. Then you see God tells him to show himself to Ahab. Elijah has a meeting with Ahab, and there They set the date for Mount Carmel for for the Mount Carmel showdown, and we all know the story of the showdown at Mount Carmel. Elijah calls down on the uh, fire on the altar, tracks down the prophets of Baal and kills them. Then God allows rain to fall after three years. Then Ahab and Elijah make their way to Jezreel, which is about ten to fifteen miles. Now, in First Kings chapter nineteen, this is where we pick up, and I want to see as you as you study. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, you see a theme that is occurring. God is telling Elijah to go. Go here. Do this. Go here. Be with this person. Go here. Stay here. But as we step into 1 Kings chapter 19, we see something happen different. Ahab tells Jezebel all that Elijah has done. And there is a different type of power that I believe Jezebel holds than Ahab. Jezebel doesn't mess around. And when she hears all that, that Elijah has done and how she's humiliated Ahab, she sends this threat to Elijah. And Elijah, we, we know that, that there, was a different, there was a different fear that people held of Ahab than they held of Jezebel because when Elijah heard Jezebel's threat, he was scared. And after, in in chapter 17 and chapter 18, when we see God instructing him to go here and to be here and to do this, we see something happen. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. There was no instruction from God. He completely abandoned. And he went to his human fear, his human reasoning, his human instinct, and he ran. Trials in life, things that we face, hard times that we face, will often lead us into desolation. And sometimes, what, most of the time what gets us there is our pride. It says in verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Trials in life will drive you into desolation. This can happen when you get the full attention of your adversaries. You can see in verse 17 how Elijah had gained victory after victory and seen God do miraculous things. And, and made m- much progress for the work of the Lord in Ahab's kingdom. But then he was, with all these victories that were happening uh, with Elijah, he got the full attention of his adversaries. Friends, there's times where you feel like things are going really, really well, but then all of a sudden things start falling apart very, very quickly. That can often come as a result of having the full attention of our adversaries. Friends, there is a spiritual warfare out there that would love nothing more than to see a person who wants to see the work of the Lord go forth. Our adversaries or our adversary wants to see us trip up, wants to see us fall, wants to stall God's work going forward. Doing his work, serving him will get the attention of those who want us to fail. We also see that uh, trials in life will lead us into desolation when you have more of a fear for man than more trust, than you, you have trust in God. We see all that God had allowed Elijah to do. God had had given him many great victories in chapter 17 and chapter 18. Many great things were happening at the hands of Elijah, or through Elijah, from God. But then when he receives that threat from Jezebel, things change. He's done. There was a fear that he had for Jezebel that outweighed his trust in what God could lead him through. Trials in life will drive you into desolation when you have more of a fear of man than you do have, than you have a trust in God. But also we see when you try, trials in life will lead you into desolation when you try to make it on your own. In verse 4 we see the word, uh, and in verse 3 it says, When he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, we have no idea how long this man was a servant of, of Elijah, but I guarantee you it's, it's hard to imagine. This is, this is my interpretation, but it's hard to imagine a man spending that much time with Elijah and not being a believer or not, or not being a servant of Jehovah. I believe that there was some sort of spiritual encouragement, spiritual fellowship there that was with that servant. And for some reason, Elijah says, I'm going by myself. And what does he do? He pushes his servant away, and he says, you stay here. And what does he do? He himself goes into the wilderness. This desolation that he's going into, this time of of discouragement that he's about ready to go to, is what you could say is almost self-inflicted. When you try to make it on your own, verse 4, it says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Elijah's eyes were on the circumstances that were surrounding him. He was focused on the circumstances rather than on the God that he had been serving in chapter 17 and chapter 18. Think of another man who Got focused on the circumstances and the storms around him in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. When Peter was walking on the water, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink. He took his eyes off of Christ. He was focused on all the turmoil and all the, the, the danger around him, and he took his eyes off the one person who was giving him the ability to walk through that storm. Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now o lord take away my life for i am not better than my fathers despite all this despite the point we, we this is quite this is a quite a change that we see in in, in five verses chapter 17 chapter 18 victory after victory after victory an emboldened Elijah that, that is almost walking around Ahab's kingdom with an invincibility but now in verse 5 of the next chapter we see him laying under a juniper tree and saying Lord is it enough now take away my life I'm done I give up But even at that point where Elijah was, God was watching over him. God cared for his servant even when his servant wasn't necessarily remaining faithful to him. God provided for his needs, not his request. What was was Elijah's request? Take away my life. But what do we see happen? And as he lay under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, behold, there was a cake, uh, bacon on the coals, and a curse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. I think this shows us what uh, the emotional toll and the physical toll that this had taken on Elijah. He was exhausted. He was tired. Exhaustion plays a part in a, in a place that can lead us to discouragement. He was exhausted. And the, in verse 7 it says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and heat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb the mount of God. We see God here provide not only one meal, but two meals. And then this meal sustains him for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I I oftentimes, I like to put myself in the mind and and what's going on in the mind of Bible characters as I'm reading through this. And I can only imagine as as Elijah begins his 40-day journey to Mount Horeb, he gets, I mean, when you hike, your metabolism burns off your first meal a lot faster. And so he's walking for 40 days and 40 nights. But I would, I would imagine that if I was anything like Elijah, as I'm walking about a half hour in, I'm going to be wanting a, a Cliff Bar or something. Like, I'm getting hungry. But I can only imagine as Elijah's going, I, he, I can't help but think as he's one hour in, hey, I'm still feeling pretty good. Two hours in three hours in, still not feeling weak. Boy, I don't know that I've ever hiked more than four hours where I felt weak if I didn't have a snack or food. I need that. I need that food. I need that constant source of snacks from a backpack to be able to sustain my strength through a hike. I'm out of shape, so I need, I need that strength coming on. And, but Elijah keeps going, and he keeps going, And for 40 days and for 40 nights, he goes on the strength of that meat. Boy, would you have loved to have a piece of that steak. But even after what God just brought him through and sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights on on two meals, he comes to Horeb, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts; for the children of Israel hath forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left; and they seek my life to take it away. Number one, trials in life will lead us to desolation, but that desolation will also lead us to discouragement when discouraged we often we don't listen to god god asks elijah what are you doing here this is a position that you've gotten yourself in i didn't i didn't move you to go here you left yourself a day's journey into the wilderness god had sent him God had not sent him here as directed to other places. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 3, we see the words, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 and 9, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zephrath. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1, and it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab. Elijah came here himself. He had, he had not listened. He had not waited for the Lord to direct him to go to where he was at now. And he found himself in a place of discouragement, into a place of, of uh, a situation. When discouraged, we don't listen to God. When discouraged, we often forget what God has already done for us. I've already mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 18, how God had given him victory after victory after victory, had provided for his needs, had had, provided a, had allowed a widow to take care of him in a time where there was not a lot of food to go around. When he, was, when he was ready to die, God gave him the food that he needed. God put him in a place to where he could have ravens fed him and a brook uh, gave him the water that he needed. God provided for him. God did many great things in the life of Elijah, but now we see here, Elijah is in the pit of discouragement. He's tired. When discouraged, we often forget what God has already done for us. But also when discouraged, we often, we grumble. In verse 10, we see, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants. When discouraged, we grumble. When grumbling, we often, we tend to blame others. We blame others for the position that we're in. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. He's putting blame on other people's decisions and how it's put him in this decision that he's in. He's like, it's other people's fault that I'm where I'm at right now. We tend to blame others. When grumbling, we tend to blame conditions. The children of Israel have thrown down thine altars and slain the prophets with the sword. Saying, Lord, I'm not a popular commodity right now. People are out for my head. It's not a safe time to be a a prophet of Jehovah at this point. It's not a fun time. He blames his conditions. Interestingly, Elijah spoke of, uh, only of the, of the Lord's prophets being slain, but in chapter 18, we see how the prophets of Baal had just been slain too after, after the aftermath of Mount Carmel. Again, he's focusing on the dark sides, but also not what had happened for the victories for the Lord as well. He's focusing on the, the glim, on the, on the bad things but he's not focused on what God has done and how God has been working for the last two chapters despite Ahab and Jezebel's rule over the kingdom. Friends, you can look at that and we can say, boy, our, our government, and not only our government, but governments all around the world are, are, are trying all they can to squeeze Christianity and, and, and snuff it out. But God's still working. You can go to many countries that we would deem closed and God is doing great works. That would blow our minds and that I would say would convict us as Americans in our, in our, in our country that we have here and the religious freedom that we do enjoy at this time. The, the boldness that Christians have all around the world would often would put us to shame. Elijah's here is blaming blaming his conditions, the, the circumstances that he's in. Elijah's response revealed that he felt he was standing completely alone and defenseless against ungodly forces that threaten to overpower him. When grumbling, we tend to exaggerate. In verse 10 it says, And I, even I only, am left. As you read the chapter, and as we'll see, that was not the case. But he exaggerates. So when discouraged, when grumbling, we, we blame others, we blame conditions, we exaggerate. Elijah was, in, Elijah was discouraged. But lastly, I want us to see that trials in life will drive us into dependency. Dependency. Elijah looks at his circumstances, he complains, he grumbles. And in verse 11, the Lord says, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still Small voice. Now, I've seen commentators try to uh, go into some of the deeper meanings of what we just read. Some say that Elijah was just, God was telling Elijah, Elijah, I know how you're wanting to deal with it, but that's not how I'm wanting to deal with the situation that you're in. Elijah with, was probably wanting God to solve his problems, how by just bringing fire down on all of his enemies and destroying all of his enemies. In verse 17 and verse 18, we saw God move in big public ways and defeating the prophets of Baal and taking care of Elijah. But now we see that God comes to Elijah in a still, small voice. Think about a still, small voice. What does a still, small voice represent? Calm. But it represents also a relationship. If I was to go to a stranger in Walmart and walk up behind them and just peek over their shoulder and say, Hello. Several things would probably happen, but one of the possibilities would probably—I'd get an elbow in the mouth, or I'd get punched. Uh, in South Carolina, I might have a handgun drawn on me. You never know. It's crazy. But a whisper indicates a relationship, a closeness. Here, God is speaking in a still small voice, representing. I believe God is saying, "I'm right here, Elijah. I'm here." If I go to my son, if I go to my daughter when they're scared, when they're worried, at nighttime, I don't come to them and say, well, it's going to be okay. Daddy's here. I don't proclaim my presence into the room when they're having a bad dream. But what I do is I get down on my knees and I say, Daddy's here. It's going to be okay. We see verse, in 11 through 13, we see a display of God's power. I think it's interesting that God does still show Elijah, I have power. Like, my power is still intact. Nothing, nobody's removed me from the throne of heaven. I'm still in control. But my relationship, my presence is still here. But in verse 15, we see God's plan. Just. A reminder to Elijah that I have a plan in all of this, and I'm in control, and Ahab and Jezebel, despite their power that they hold on the earthly realm, they have no power to stop what is coming to them. My plan will not be derailed. And we see him... Give Elijah his plans in verse 15 and the Lord said unto him Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus and when thou comest anoint Haziel to be king over Syria and Jehu the son of Nimsha shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel and Elisha the son of uh Shaphat of Abemalechoah shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room and it shall be uh, and it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel. The Lord answers that grumble, that complaint, even I, even I only am left. The Lord says, I've left me 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one. God reminds Elijah, Elijah of his plan. I have a plan. And we see that God told him, all right, it's time for you to go. You need to go anoint these three guys. And the guys that escaped the sword of the first guy, the other guy is going to slay. And then the third guy is going to clean up the rest. He's going, to get, he's going to do what I want done. My plan is going to go forth, and nobody, no evil forces in this world is going to stop me. My plan will go forth, friends. We may we may look at our our position in life, and we say, "Boy, I'm I'm in a I'm in a point of discouragement. I, I've I'm I'm I feel like I'm being attacked, whether it's through just People who don't believe, who people who are hard, are hard people at work, situations that I have in my life that are, are, are making it hard to keep my joy in the Lord. To keep my head up and to keep pressing forward, to remain, to remain faithful, to remain, remain joyful in the Lord and to remain uh, obedient in what you want me to do as a Christian. Friends, God has a plan. And if we look to him and if we keep following what he wants us to do on a daily basis, staying faithful to him, learning from him, being in our word, uh, in his word, and allowing him to work in our life, allowing him to lead us, asking him for courage to get us through things. God has a plan to get us through difficult times. Look to his power, look to his plan that he has. For us, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that as we go out today, Lord, we will not let the fear of man and, and, and the things that we see that are pretty scary to our human reasoning, to our, our human natures, Lord. I pray that you would not allow those to affect us, but that we would be reliant on your courage that you have promised us, on the strength that you've prominent, promised us, and on the help that you've promised us. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name.